And now the disclaimer. The topics heard on Into Your Body is primarily meant for mature audiences and is not intended for younger or more sensitive listeners. The suggestions and opinions heard on this show does not necessarily represent the views of this station, its management, or their underwriters. These suggestions are not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or other malady. Discretion has been advised. And now, enjoy the show. Welcome to Into Your Body, the show that helps you get into your body so that you can get the best out of your life. I'm DJ, and this is episode 47, where we talk about sex and disability. We all ought to know by now that disabled people are hot, but why still the stigma, the overprotectiveness, and who still, still keeps saying that folks with a different physical skill set can't have their own sexual autonomy? I sit down with Kella Hannah Wayne, activist, editor, and writer whose work appears at yapvoice.com. That's sex and disability on this episode of Into Your Body, coming up right after this. Hi, this is DJ from Into Your Body, and I'd like to ask you one question. What's up with the lube you're using? Is your lube just not doing the job and making things worse? Well, friends, I'm here to let you know about Alcadabra. Live Well Incorporated out of Ventura, California, has invented what I myself like to call the best lube for the money. Any money. Alocadabra isn't just any moisturization that glides and slides. Alocadabra is made with 100% organic aloe vera, so it heals your body while nourishing those sensitive areas, giving them their necessary moisturization that's perfectly pH-balanced for your body and everybody. Alocadabra is petroleum-free, paraben-free, and contains no BS chemicals. It's 100% plant-based, so it's FDA and Oregon Tilth approved, meaning that it's safe to use for your safer sex needs. Other lube is for toys. For your body, only choose Alocadabra in eight organic flavors and scents. I happen to like Pina Colada. It's available at Alocadabra.com. Find drugstores, as well as from your friendly neighborhood, locally owned, queer-friendly pleasure shop, Allocadabra, naturally magic. And be sure to use the code A-F-B-E-L-L on Allocadabra.com so you can get 25% off of your first order on Allocadabra.com. That's A-F-B-E-L-L for your 25% off. Welcome back to Into Your Body, the show that helps you get into your body so that you can get the best out of your life. Hi again, I am DJ, and thank you for listening to the show, which is broadcasting live on the radio at KEPW 97.3 FM and simulcasting digitally on the World Wide Web at intoyourbody.buzzsprout.com. And today's topic is about sex and disability. And today we are talking with Kella Hannah Wayne. Thank you for coming to our show today. Kella is a, I, you told me what you're an editor. 
and an mm-hmm. activist. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say, well, it's not a blog that you what you, what you have. But you have this website. Tell us more about your website and what you do with that website in particular. Sure. Um, so uh, I, I call it a blog, but it is sort of in the gray area of being being both a blog and a website, that it's uh, sort of a resource. So it's called Yop. And what Yop does is it takes a whole bunch of different types of activism and tries to connect them together. So in particular, the the backbone of YAP is YAP Academy, which is educational material. And my approach to educational material is a little bit different from a lot of social justice educational material. And that's, uh, I believe that you can learn these overarching principles about social justice that will apply to any cause, any different oppressed group. So, you know, most people, they're going to learn straight privilege 101, and then they're going to learn white privilege 101, and then they're going to learn male privilege 101. And then you're like, oh, there are 20 other groups that have privilege that I haven't learned about yet. Oh, my God, that's so much to learn. So instead, Yop says, this is how privilege works. This is, these are the concepts behind it. These are the mechanisms of privilege. These are the sorts of patterns that you see with it. Here are a bunch of examples for different groups so that you can recognize it even if you walk into a marginalized group that you've never interacted with before. You have a baseline of knowledge that will that will help you help them, you know, to help you support them. So basically, you have a high level overview yeah. of what you want to reach people out with in terms of that activism, of, of terms of making them aware mm-hmm. of situations that are happening, and breaking it down into this is not just oppression coming from here Mm -hmm. or systematic racism coming from here or other isms coming from there you're looking at the big thing Mm -hmm. and seeing how it applies in in each different category in each different field yes and how it affects and how it affects them so that way we can have this conversation very Mm -hmm. easily Mm -hmm. now in this regard this is where the rubber hits the road where this is a topic that we've been trying that i've been wanting to touch on since i started this show one of like many sex and disability, which is something that I, I would have experience with kind of sort of not <laughs> being visually disabled mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And as far as sex and disabilities goes, something that I would assume that you would have some experience or you knew people who had that experience with. Mm-hmm. Now, in talking about sex and disability, let's try let's let's do this your way okay. for 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 the sake of experience because your yap site sounds like a very massive experience for mm-hmm. someone who's going to try to tilt their head a little bit yeah. to get out from under what society has taught us how to think and how to breathe and how to yes. act in certain <laughs> ways. So we have sex, which of course, you know, sex and sexuality, being good about this, which is the focus mm-hmm. of this show. And then we have disability, mm-hmm. the two. Now, from what I have seen, and before I go into any other de- any other bigger details, a lot of times, sex and disability in the biggest picture that we see are often seen as two separate things. Mm-hmm. Whereas if sex is usually clouded in this image, this idea of people being free and wild and moving and all of this wonderful, undulating, <laughs> sensual stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you have disability where you have basically what I like to call certain skill sets mm-hmm. and people are have to go through their lives because their bodies or their minds or their essence in one way or another have to operate on a different skill set, skill set mm-hmm. than what is considered 
and I use this term with great trepidation, mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. So where you have those, and people, too many people, where you have those two, people see those two things as two completely separate things. Yes. That sex is one thing, but it's not something for disabled people. Mm-hmm. And if you see someone who's disabled, we automatically take out from our minds any sort of belief that they are sexual beings. Yes. And that in my mind from the from from the start is like the biggest issue mm-hmm. facing sex and disability. What do you see in that? <laughs> I mean cuz that's cuz that's where I had in that. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's what I cuz that's what I've seen and I was wondering did you see something similar to that when you first wanted to broach the topic? Did you see yes. something different where were the where were the similarities or where were the where were the challenges? Did you talk to people about this? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, definitely. One of the most common things that people have to say about disability and sex is, yes, disabled people do have sex, um, that there is this very widespread misconception that disabled people don't want to have sex, that they can't have sex, that, you know, they're just completely irrelevant, as you were saying, that it's sort of these two completely separate things. And one of the things that's going on with that is that, culturally disabled people tend to be infantilized Um, and so there's this idea that disabled people need to be cared for that someone else needs to be responsible for them that they don't have autonomy that they don't have the ability to consent to something like sex a lot of those imageries we see repeated in tv Mm -hmm. that we see a lot that we see a lot of times that there's this one person who's just there they're they're either in a wheelchair or Mm -hmm. they're on some form of walking assistant walking assistance device whether mm-hmm. it's a cane or a walker or anything of that and we see and they're almost like two-dimensional characters yes definitely yeah and disabled characters in media are often very angelic and very pure and so that's another thing that you know that's nowhere near sex and so this infantilization we we assume that disabled people can't have sex because we're taught that we need to, that we have to take responsibility for disabled people, that we know their bodies better than they do. Um, and we as a culture have decided that disabled people don't have sex. And so, you know, so that's not a thing. Um, but that's not actually true. Um, mm. uh, an example of this infantilization, actually, there's a recent story that there was um, a drag show that was all people with Down syndrome called it Down. What, what do they call it? Oh, Drag Syndrome. That was the, the show's name. Um And they had this great show that was planned, and I don't remember who it was, some guy with power decided to cancel the show because he decided that these people with Down syndrome, these adults with Down syndrome, could not consent to being, to, to be in a drag show that something sexualized like drag that they couldn't consent and that he was essentially protecting them like children that these were his words that he felt like he needed to protect them from exploitation and these are adults that you know they know they can take care of themselves they might need assistance with some things but they're definitely fully capable of consenting Um, and so that's how prevalent these ideas are my face just made the (laughs) yes it did the screech like what I mean that's that's kind of that's kind of silly mm-hmm. that someone <laughs> would make that decision for mm-hmm. someone else who, especially a group of people who went through the work mm-hmm. of putting together that show. Of course, they have the consent. They right. do. And so just arbitrarily made that decision without actually talking to them to say, yep. oh, no, no. This is this. Basically, that person was just uncomfortable mm-hmm. with that paradigm shift yes. of saying, wait, these people have Down syndrome, but yet they're 
why are they wearing bathing suits and bikinis? Why are they <laughs> yeah. strutting? You know, why would they want to strut around stage half naked? Why are they trying to get their groove on? Why? Mm-hmm. Why is that one twerking? Mm-hmm. Yep, they just couldn't conceive of them as sexual beings, and that that was just like not okay in their world. Mm. Do you know where that comes from originally? That infantilization. Um, that's a complicated question, uh, <laughs> but I would say that. Culturally, we we dehumanize disabled people a lot. And if you look back historically to how disabled people were treated, you know, a few hundred years ago, there weren't a whole lot of options. It was mostly like institution hide away in a room that no one ever sees you or early death. Like those are kind of the options. And accommodation was so like not didn't exist the idea of accessibility the the idea of accommodation did not exist um and so in order to take care of a disabled person everything you know in order to make sure that they get the things that they need you needed like a full-time caretaker you needed someone that could do all the things for them and that you know that establishes a power dynamic and i think that just having nothing but that for hundreds of years, you know, you didn't have disabled people that were living on their own, that were fully autonomous. Um, you didn't have tools that they could use to make their life easier and so that they could be fully functional in all the ways that they wanted to be. And so when you have that for so long, that cultural idea stays with you that, you know, that the only way that a disabled person exists is if they are being taken care of. Um, and so you end up with this really widespread attitude that if I'm an enabled person, my job is to take care of this disabled person. I see this disabled person. Oh, they're struggling. I need to help them. And I'm not going to ask them how they need help. I'm not going to ask if they need help. I'm just going to help them and not receive any input from them. Um, that that's something that we're, we're taught and is, and is really prevalent. And it's extraordinarily just all over the place. It's still it still sticks yes. with our culture a lot. Yes. With and it just can't seem to let go. Mm-mm. I had one interesting question. And you brought up the great point of accessibility, mm-hmm. which is one of the most important things for anyone who's disabled, for that for for any sort of accessibility to be realized and achieved. Yeah. Now, when it comes to for any disabled person to get any sort of sexual material, to get any sort of sex toys, getting sexual information, mm-hmm. what points, I would assume that because someone who identifies as disabled and has presented themselves as disabled would have been treated in a particular way against everybody else, which we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes time for that person to talk about and reveal their sexuality, I'm sure that there are a couple of roadblocks. I mean, one of them is just other people realizing that 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 sexuality exists. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what after we cross that little break, mm-hmm. what are some of the things where you can help disabled people? And of course, it depends mm-hmm. on the, the skill set that they're working with, yeah. what challenges that they would have to face in order to start helping other people mm-hmm. learn about their own sexuality and embrace that. Yeah. Yeah, and so what I want to do is I want to like hold on to that question because we just came to our first break. 
you're listening to Into Your Body. I'm here with activist and uh, I want to say media expert, <laughs> <laughs> Kella Hannah Wayne, who's talking with us about sex and disability here on this episode of Into Your Body number 47. If you'd like to join the conversation, please send us an email at intoyourbodyshow at gmail.com. We'll be back with more of Into Your Body here on KEPW and on an intoyourbody.buzzsprout.com right after this. This is KEPWLP 97.3 FM, broadcasting from Eugene, Oregon, and simulcasting at KEPW.org. If you'd like to support KEPW through donations or volunteering, you can fill out a volunteer form or make a tax-deductible donation on our website at KEPW.org. Or send a check to P.O. Box 11182, Eugene, Oregon 97440. Or call the station at 541-833-0622 for more info. Also, as a reminder, if you'd like to join in on the conversation, if you have a comment, or if you have a suggestion for a future show of Into Your Body, please send an email, intoyourbodyshow at gmail.com. That's intoyourbodyshow at gmail.com. And we're back with part two of episode 47 of Into Your Body. I am here with editor and activist, Callahan Wayne, and we were talking about sex and disability, and we were just starting to ask questions about how is it possible for disabled folks to get education and information about sex and sexuality. Mm-hmm. During the break, we talked about some of the challenges that some disabled folks get as far as them being able to learn about sex. So, mm-hmm. of course, the first thing about being able to get to the materials about sex and all, either the books or the toys or even before we even get close to a vibrator. Mm-hmm. And this is also something, an issue that we also talked about earlier on the show disabled folks for some reason and 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 it doesn't seem like they're being told mm-hmm. or taught about sex and sexuality mm-hmm. it just blows my mind i want to hear from you why abled folks still need to level with folks who are running on a completely different mm-hmm. skill set about how important sex and sexuality is mm-hmm. Well, the reality is that one out of five people in the U.S. has some kind of disability. So we're everywhere. (laughs) Um, And it makes sense. Statistically, you're going to encounter us at some point in your life. Or you're going to already be in a long-term relationship with someone who later on acquires some kind of disability. Um, That happens quite a lot. Disability is one of the only marginalizations that you can acquire at any time in your life. Um, no No one is immune to it. It's very surprising for some folks to hear immediately because mm, people can go through their, I I can tell you this from my own personal experience, I was Mm -hmm. just going through and then one day, bang, Mm -hmm. I was like, suddenly my body just, my hormone, not my hormones decided to do something different with my body. Mm -hmm. Certain foods I couldn't eat anymore, the way that I used to walk or run, I can't do that anymore. And my Mm -hmm. body has started to shift. Certain stimuli doesn't work anymore. And sometimes I would wake up in the morning and try to get out of bed. And continue to try to get out of bed, not mm-hmm. because I don't feel like it, but my body has other plans. <laughs> mm-hmm. So acquiring a disability is a 
is, to be honest, a somewhat frightening but a mm-hmm. very real reality yep. for many people here around the world. Yeah, and that was the case for me. That was um, that was my experience. Um, in some ways, you can say that I've always been disabled, but it was more like I was faking being able-bodied very successfully um, until I was 24, and then things kind of fell apart. And so for me, the experience was that I had switched to being disabled, and that was when my identity came into play with that. And that was... Right. And that happened like right at the at at the time of of life, if I if I if I dare say, like, you know, the mm-hmm. college age where everyone's expecting you to be completely, well, able bodied, uh-huh. I guess, <laughs> especially where you've gone through most of your life, you know, being can easily be identified as being able bodied to yeah. a certain to to a certain extent. I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but at a certain point, there was this chunk shift mm-hmm. yeah and so and so with this reality now now people have to now stepping back and saying okay my body's acting differently now mm-hmm. i have to do things differently now how can i relate how can i cope mm-hmm. how can how what what is what is usually the first series of 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 challenges when folks with disability and sexuality tend to run into um, with like that you that you that you've heard of. What is- I think that probably the the first challenge, particularly for people that become disabled later in life, is the is the self acceptance, is the learning what your relationship is with your own disability, learning how to interact with other people about it. Because um, uh, like for me, that that switched later on in life. Then you're dealing with all of these expectations that people have, that people are used to your body working a certain way and suddenly it doesn't anymore. Um, and so there's a lot of negotiating. There's a lot of, um, actually, that's not how it works anymore. There's, there's a lot of changes that have to happen. Um, from a sexuality point of view, um, for me, I was already in a long-term relationship when, when that happened. And so um, in some ways that was easier for me because I already had a partner that was committed to me that was, you know, that was wanted to be there for me through my struggles. Um, and um, and so that adjustment was easier for me to do. But there's definitely, there's a learning curve that you have to go through. That There's a learning curve that, that you, the disabled person, has to go through as you understand what you can and can't do, what, you know, what you're comfortable with. You have to learn how to trust and connect with your body because you know if you have any kind of pain or anything like that sometimes that can really encourage you to disconnect from your body or to feel like betrayed by your body and so you need to form a good relationship with yourself and with and with your physical self Um, and then there's also if you already have a partner of some kind they also have to go through process of learning what their relationship to your disability is, of how do they talk to you about it, what do they need to know, um, and uh, that can be that can be a pretty big learning curve for them as well. I've heard of some disabled folks uh, having to rent sex workers because some because mm-hmm. dis- many disabled folks live by themselves; they are mm-hmm. on their own. You know, they have to get assistance for getting up, getting dressed, mm-hmm. going to the store, going to their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They would need caregivers. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, you know, someone who someone working on a different physical skill set would need some sort of companionship. And I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of cases that they that someone would rent sex workers to help that job. Yeah. So obviously this obviously this is a paradigm shift for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Again, accepting that 
disabled people are sexual beings and they want sex and are pursuing it and mm-hmm. are looking for those dates. Mm-hmm. I am curious as to see, is this the be with, with more with more disabled folks actually admitting this and coming out to this? Of mm-hmm. course, the, the issue of sex work being a subject near and dear to our hearts here on the show. Mm-hmm. Is this the be- do you feel that this is the beginning of a new trend? Do you think this is the beginning of a better acceptance or is this this or is this a phase that will turn to and morph into something else? Do you mean um, a trend of sex work being particularly useful for disabled people or uh, with se- well, more with sex openness? Work, well, with sex work being dis- well, being available for disabled people, which always was, mm-hmm. but the more openness to that. Okay. Um, I think that in some ways it's a sign of progress because, you know, it's you're going out of your way to get your needs met. And, you know, and that is a thing that a lot of disabled people are taught not to do, honestly, um, that they're taught to, you know, to minimize their own needs, to um, to not be a burden on people. Um, but um, the the primary reason that sex work is is so important for the disabled community and i don't want to take that away from them um is because uh it is pretty difficult for um disabled people to date you know sometimes it's because of accessibility issues of like oh well that restaurant you want to take me out at doesn't have a wheelchair ramp so thanks um Mm. but you know or it, it can just be stigma and discrimination that you know that you're like if you're dating online, if you've got a picture of yourself in a wheelchair or with a cane, if, if that disability is visible, um, then uh, people, you know, people aren't interested um, or like maybe you um, disclosure is a big thing for disability and dating. Um, maybe you uh, tell them before the first date, like maybe it's not visible ahead of time, um, but they're going to see it when they meet you and you tell them before the first date, do they bail? You know, that that's that that's a big thing. Um and there's a lot of there's a lot of obstacles both in terms of discrimination and just being able to go out and meet people um, that makes it difficult for um, for disabled people to to date and meet people to have sex with. And then you have all the social expectations of, well, you know, this person wouldn't be interested in have sex or like we're on a first date the first thing I have to ask you is, are you physically capable of having sex that, you know, that that's one of the things. We're here with Callahan Wayne talking about sex and disability. I do have a couple of other questions here, if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we keep talking about you know, disabled, and a lot of times we often hear, or I often tend to say, you know, a lot of di- disabilities aren't seen. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what would, for the sake of the audience outside, what would you consider disabled? People, people are asking that question anyway as they're listening to this show. So what, what would you consider as disabled? That's a difficult question. Um, I think that most people tend to define disability as um, anything in your mind and body that prevents you from engaging with society on sort of an average level. Um, And uh, what you notice is not the same thing as, you know, there's something wrong with your body, just that the structure of our society makes it difficult for you to interact with it the way that the majority of people do. Yeah, and I kind of also wonder, and I kind of wonder like when that comes into play when you start bringing in sex into the when you start bringing in sex into the mix, mm-hmm. where people will say, "Well, you know, do you have this ability? Do you have that ability? What can you do? What you can't do?" Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, 
we tend to gauge sex based on what one can do. Mm-hmm. It's and a lot of things that we talk about sex and how we approach sex is very based on can you do this? Mm-hmm. Can you do this? And then here's this here's this little you know crack in the armor mm-hmm. as it were where it's like there's certain things that one cannot do mm-hmm. um and yet everyone wants to have as much fun as they want to have and has have a, an experience as they can for and i know this is like a big top <laughs> this is such a huge question but was there a time where someone talked to you about where they hit a, a roadblock in their sexual expression that they wanted to do something and then you had to work with them to find a way around it? Hmm. Um, I, I can't think of an example for me personally. Um, I was actually, I was just talking to my friend about this. I have a good friend that is also disabled. And, um, one of the things that she was saying that, that, um, that she's run into, um, in sexual experiences is, you know, when she communicates that she's disabled. And so that means that what we're going to do is a little different. Um, people want like, a list of uh of you know what are the things you can do what are the things you can't do they want like a definitive list of the things of like i follow these rules everything Mm -hmm. will be fine and bodies don't work that way (laughs) (laughs) you know bodies are complicated um and also like if you have a disability like mine uh what i'm capable of on a given day changes constantly. Like I, I sometimes say I have a different disability every day. Um, and so even if I tell you, well, these are the things that I can do right now, it's going to be different next time. So, um, so there's really, it has to be a learning process for, for both people and a constant communication. Um, and I think that um, taking the emphasis away from what can you do to what do you want to do or you know what do you like what works for you is this okay all those sorts of questions questions that you're more likely to say to an able person if you have good communication with them um that you know that kind of thing ends up working a lot better um that there you know that there are going to be some specific things of like hey i have this thing in mind can you do that um but a lot of the time when you're experimenting in the moment it's going to be actually a lot more like able-bodied sex in terms of the communication that's involved it's just more required than it would be for abled people that abled people can get away with not communicating they would have better sex if they did communicate um but they can (laughs) but you know they can skate by on having um a cultural narrative that talks about what you know what sex is for able-bodied people and what that looks like and so they don't have to have that in-depth knowledge or that experimentation they can just kind of do the things that you're supposed to do for sex so Uh, basically just have that conversation talk to each other and lack of a better phrase feel your way around yes (laughs) yes Um, and that it's an ongoing conversation that you're going to continue to learn each other and um and that what works for you and i think that that can be a really fun thing if you're approaching it from a an attitude of curiosity and experimentation of like what do we get to do how do we reimagine this how do you know what other things that 
can we do what other ways can we have sex that I have never thought of before that I've never thought of trying and to me like that's more exciting than mm. just going by like the you know you've got your your manual of the of the like these are that you do it in this order you know you, <laughs> you do the <laughs> you do the foreplay and then this thing you know it's much more interesting to to personalize it and find out what you like and you don't like I was going to have another question that said, like, what what advice would you give to somebody? But that was the perfect advice to give. <laughs> so any other any other things that you wanted to say on this topic before, before um, we close the show? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about more in terms of of advice for going into that is things like frequency of having sex or when you can do it or how much preparation you have to do before it often changes a lot for disabled people. And so that's a particularly important thing to communicate about if you're entering a relationship with a disabled person to make sure that you're on the same page because your needs might might not match and that's okay. Like if that doesn't work out, that's all right. But it's good to know that because, you know, you might not have as much stamina or like you might need to do prep ahead of time. Like for me, sex is extremely physically taxing for me. I'm not terribly physically functional afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I were to, uh, so spontaneous sex uh, tends to be more difficult. Um, that scheduled sex is a lot more, is a lot more common, I think, for disabled people. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I were to spontaneously decide to have sex one morning on a day that I had a bunch of things scheduled that I needed to be up on my feet and moving around, I'd be screwing myself over rather literally. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that would be a problem for me, you know, then, then I would be dealing with more pain and like have difficulty getting all the things done that I needed to do Um, so I have to plan for that and I have to understand that it's better for me to know ahead of time what it is that I'm committing to and prepare to rest afterwards yes looks like you got a little bit more to say on this topic don't you I mean, you know, I can talk I can about disability about forever. <laughs> would you want, would you want to go would you want to would you want to go on a little bit longer? Sure, yeah. A little bit. Okay. Then let me just close this show and let's get ready for episode 48, I guess. Okay. Okay. So, we are here with Kellahanna Wayne, uh, activist, blogger, writer, editor of Yop. Is it yop.com? It's yopvoice.com. So that's y o p p v o i c e.com. All right. And do you have any social media where they can reach out to you uh, at places they can reach you to at yop? yop I do. Um, I've got, um, I am at Kella Hannah Wayne. So that's K E L L A H A N N A W A Y N E. Um, I'm at that handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Medium, and also Patreon. So pretty much all of the, all the social medias except for wait you have a Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook. Yep. And M- Medium and Patreon were the other two. And Patreon. Medium and Patreon. Medium. I don't have and a Snapchat, but Snapchat's kind of over. So. Well, you know. <laughs> well, there's always Insta. <laughs> there's always Insta. I gotta get an Insta. Maybe not. But uh, thank you very much for appearing here on this episode. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, we'll continue here. If you want to contact us here at Into Your Body, we are at intoyourbodyshow.gmail.com. And we are also available at Twitter, Into Your Body Pod. And on Facebook and Tumblr, we are at Into Your Body Podcast. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can always surf over to intoyourbody.buzzsprout.com and subscribe there. And of course, if you want to listen to the show live, if you're liking us, 
over the airwaves. You can always tune in to KEPWLP FM 97.3 in the city of Eugene and streaming to the whole damn world online at KEPW.org. We will continue this conversation about sex and disability in episode 48 of Into Your Body. This show, copyright 2019 DJB Sundress Company. I'm DJ. Always enjoy yourself and don't forget to masturbate. Bye-bye.